Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, here with a brief message before today's very special episode. If you could take a second right now, please, God, do it, please, leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show. Quick five-star, quick review is one of the easiest and best ways that you can help out podcasts like us for free, guys, for free. It just takes a moment of your time. Every time we see them, it does mean the world to us. Thank you in advance uh, for those of you who do that. Make sure to go to YouTube and subscribe to our channel, Film Alchemist. You can see video versions of most of our podcast and a lot of other fun content we're working on putting up over there. So again, that is Film Alchemist on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com, or find us on all the social media that you're on. We're there too. It's a great way to get a hold of us, uh, connect with us, let us know what kind of stuff you want to hear about on the show. If there's a movie, be it new, old, if there's a double feature, a theme for an entire month worth of movies, guest host you want us to reach out to and try to get on the show, let us know, guys. We want to give you the quality and uh, loot that you deserve on this show. So yeah, just don't be like Christmas. Don't make us guess. Tell us what you want. We'll do our best to give it to you. For those of you who have been sending us movie recommendations, I do make a master list, so I hear you, I see you, I've read you. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate all that you do for this show. Without further ado, today, a very special episode. Uh, We were thrilled to be joined by someone who we've admired for a long time and we're finally fortunate enough to sit down and have a conversation with. Um, We met Rosa Parra via Twitter. Uh, Her Twitter is at Rosa Reviews. She's a film critic and... One of those people that as soon as you get to talk to her, she so exceeds even the high hopes that we had. She was brilliant, insightful, um, funny, warm, charming, all of the best adjectives, right? We loved our conversation with Rosa. We feel very fortunate enough that she made time in her busy schedule to sit down with us. Um, We can't thank her enough. Again, you guys should go find Rosa's work, Rosa Reviews. Also, she is the co-host of a podcast, Latinx Lens which you can also go subscribe, rate, and review to. That helps every podcaster out. Trust me, guys, on that. Um, They do a great show over there. So just help Rosa out. She's amazing, and we wish her nothing but the best, and hopefully she'll be on the show a bunch of times in the future. But today, Rosa decided that she wanted to talk about a movie that I know is among mine and Alex's favorite of all time, Children of Men. Now, I say this a lot. There are, I think it's hard to pick definitively what the best movies ever are. But I think there's a club, right? Once you hit the status, the top of the mountain, right? So as I would say it, I've seen movies as good of Children of Men. I'll never see a movie better than Children of Men. It is a stunning, just visual masterpiece. The characters are enormous, even in this kind of small world, even though it's a worldwide cataclysmic. I will never do it justice right here, but I hope that uh, Alex and Rosa and I did a great job on this episode and you guys will enjoy it. One uh, caveat I have to add, as is the case, we did run into some technical issues. Somehow some cable or something happened and my microphone actually shut off. So I'm on some kind of backup uh, built in recording. So my, my my audio is not as crystal clear as I would hope. But I think you can still hear everything. Uh, the conversation's still very good. Also, we lost power in the middle of the show. Alex dropped out at one point. So we pretty much ran into the smorgasbord of technical difficulties. But 
Through all that, like Theo, we just kept taking steps, and we have the baby that should not be. And I think you guys will love this episode. If nothing else, I know you'll love Rosa uh, as much as we did. So without any more of my nonsense, enjoy the show. guys we are fortunate enough tonight uh to be joined by our new friend rosa para uh who is a film critic thank you rosa for joining us tonight <laughs> oh no thank you so much for inviting me um uh, it's it certainly I, i'm very i know it sounds very cliche but i am very happy to be here so thank you well thank you so much uh would you like to uh briefly well, thank you for coming yeah <laughs> well we thank you would you like to briefly introduce yourself uh what where people can find your stuff and then introduce the movie you decided you wanted to talk about tonight yes so i'm available on every social media platform at rosa's reviews and i am co-host co and co-founder of latinx lens a podcast and website uh, dedicated to highlighting latinx representation and contribution in um, film and television which brings me to the <laughs> film that i selected today uh since we recently released a, a <laughs> unshameful plug here uh, <laughs> since we recently released an episode on alfonso cuaron uh, and and uh, he's certainly one of my favorite directors currently working. Um, so, yeah, I selected Children of Men, a movie that came out in 2006, directed again by Alfonso Cuaron. And, yeah, I can't wait to talk about it with you guys. Yeah. Now, this uh, I know Alex and I have discussed this was a movie I saw. I think I was around college age, but I saw this and it was one of those kind of game changing movies for me. Uh, so I've always loved this movie, but today I was watching it and it was the first time I'd seen it since I was a father. And uh, just unexpectedly in the middle of the day, just having like full life shattering crying sessions. Uh, so that was a fun new addition to the film. <laughs> yeah, I usually give, I usually uh, put away the, like my kid, like when he wakes up, I let him watch cartoons. In the afternoon, I usually put it away or like don't give him my phone or anything. And today it's like, I gotta, I can't let my kid, while i'm like watching this and like and so i gave him my phone to watch like disney plus or whatever and the whole time i was just like sobbing i usually cry at the end i was crying their time and like almost suffocating my child squeezing him so tight like it's the whole time yeah it really is just loaded with uh emotional landmines that you didn't quite remember like i remember the overarching themes of the movie but yeah it was it was more of a, a sniper fire today uh rosa why in particular this movie what is it about this movie that you love so much mm -hmm. i think and again this is my my humbled opinion i think this is the best alfonso cuaron film out there at the moment i agree um, and it, it's certainly one of those films that well, first of all i think cuaron himself is one of those fascinating um, filmmakers who's very versatile um he can go from harry potter to this from <laughs> <laughs> Mama Tambien, and, and and just has this yeah. wide range um that it makes it more fascinating to even like fandom the, the idea that this film was directed by him um so yeah certainly a movie that I, I did watch for the first time a few months ago and it did hit me hard it's one of those films that does stay with you uh whether you don't watch it for a long time or you re revisit it every uh 
now and then you do the have these memorable sequences the, it's the storyline that hits you most and i guess <laughs> in 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 the um pandemic that, that we're going through right now it couldn't feel oh, more yeah. relatable <laughs> yeah this movie was definitely now. not necessarily uh <laughs> it wasn't necessarily like i think this is like five days from now or something like i don't know yeah. we're, we're close <laughs> it was last may no I'm like, oh. <laughs> well yeah i think what's so brilliant about this movie is it does the thing that all the best science fiction movies do where it it just really asks this brilliant question you know and I think what is so funny about watching it this time, because I, I was reading some interviews with uh, Alfonso, and mm-hmm. he was saying that he really tried to focus in on making this movie the anti-Blade Runner, right? Mm-hmm. So what he meant was when he was talking to the art department aesthetically, he's like, we don't want it to be this big, grandiose, neon, futuristic temple, right? He wants it to kind of look like now, but just a little different. And so those flares of science fiction almost add to the depression of the film, because you see these cool technologies, but then everything kind of looks, you know, so desolate, right? Yeah. And I think what I hadn't really remembered fully about the film was that, because I remember the loss of child thing, right? Like, oh, we're just not having kids anymore. And in your mind, you're like, okay, what was the big deal about this? I had almost forgotten, right? Because I'm a parent and I talked to other parents. I was asking my neighbors, I was like, so in theory, let's say that like there were no more kids, right? <laughs> I was like, I feel like there's a huge portion of the island that would just turn like their state into a Jimmy Buffett concert. It would just be drugs and margaritas and orgies. And they're like, yeah, no more teenagers in movie theater. Like, you know, like there's a huge amount of people that would be stoked. And then today, what really hit me is when he's going to work, right? And he's a civil servant, I think, in the movie. I forget exactly what his job is. Works for like the department or something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's the scene that explains the movie. Like, imagine that there are no more kids anymore and you still had to go work at State Farm, right? Like, why are you getting out of bed and going to work Monday? And so it's not about this, like, loss of kids and this thing on the surface. It's this absolute loss of hope. Like, what is the point of any of this now? I was I was fascinated by the the conceit of this movie is brilliant. It's um, it's a fascinating kind of like, it's this really weird and it's almost it's post-apocalyptic but mainly in for me it's a lot of it comes from the like the vibe is very post-apocalyptic and obviously this the production design very post-apocalyptic but the presence of the present is i think the thing that always strikes me with this movie and i don't think any movie i've seen from alfonso cuaron hits me as hard as the very beginning of this movie the first scene within this film Besides the Department of Energy explains everything you need to know about Theo. But the first thing you see in this movie, the coffee shop bombing is the one that just like, it says everything you need to know. You need to know absolutely nothing else. And then it cuts to the fucking title. And you're like, That's, I, you, they could have just that as a trailer. And I think the most of like, the big chunk of the trailer they did, but like that could have been the trailer for the movie. And I would have been in anyways. Like, it explains everything you need to know. You can see baby Diego, the news story about him, everything like that. And you know exactly the world you're in. It's, it's something that's like textbook, textbook filmmaking. And yet you cannot teach it. It is so visceral and brutal and informative and terrifying and expositional without being really expositional. It's 
it's just absolutely brilliant. I love Clive Owen too. He is like so underrated and I absolutely love Clive Owen. Yeah. What did you make about the opening of this movie, Rosa? Because I, yeah. I think that is kind of a good place to look at this because it, it really sets you up early for this is going to be a very different kind of science fiction movie. Yes, I think Alex definitely uh, hit the nail in the head saying that it does lay the foundation <laughs> for the rest of the film. And a lot has to do with the filmmaking, with the camera work, with uh, it's not even editing because it's just one long shot. But the way the camera is positioned and it's angled in, uh, in a way that you don't expect it's literally a sequence saying expect the unexpected <laughs> and yeah. it, it's certainly a lot has to do with the camera angle and what what on the sides to place in the frame and, and that's another thing that i very much uh, love about Quaron. it's those wide shots that tells you so many different stories just in one frame that just gives you a perspective of the world building we're in and it just takes one frame to suck you in and like speak uh, that interest in you in terms of the film and certainly hooks you in. Yeah, well, I think the fun thing to your point is the way he, because it's almost like a security camera angle, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's looking down on everyone. And so you see Clive kind of like, yeah, I get it, news, I need my coffee. <laughs> but you see, like, I, I was just scanning the rest of the crowd most of the time, right? There's this lady right to his left, I think. And you see this absolute devastation in this older lady, right? Like she may have a kid out in the world who's old and grown, but mm -hmm. you just start seeing the absolute sadness on all these people's faces. Yeah. And it is, it's it's just so brutal, right? And then we cut outside and you start to see kind of this post-apocalyptic wasteland set up. Mm -hmm. And that when that explosion hits, that was another really cool thing that happened is uh, that ringing out, right? So the, yes. the ringing of the, the ears, and then that carries over the title card. So it's mm -hmm. almost completely snapping us out of this reality that he is setting up for us, right? Like now we're, now we're fully immersed in the world of the film. Yes, exactly. And the last shot before uh, the title appears, it's literally a woman holding her own arm. That was just... Oh my God. Yeah, I was right. like, whoa. <laughs> and it, it's just... It, again, yeah. it, it just shocks you <laughs> for the first few seconds of the film. Yeah, well, that was one of those you're like, oh, okay, so they're they're fully going for it. Yeah, <laughs> this is definitely rated R. <laughs> yeah, that I, that was really funny too because that was one of those things that I had um, absolutely forgotten was in the film, right? Yeah. Uh, but again, that that gets back to this kind of weird point, which is, so you're watching this what seems like an, a normal Monday, right? Yeah. Coffee, commuting, all this and that. And next thing you know, uh, oh, I still got to go to work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's like, imagine just going into the office and he's, I love that Clive Owen, he plays it so suave the whole time. Yeah. You know, the, oh, uh, you know, sorry, I got to go, you know, home. I really feel bad about Diego. It's like, you could have just said that you saw a lady carrying her own arm. <laughs> exactly. But that's enough of a like, you know, hey, I need to, but the way people are reacting is it, it gives you this feeling that this is happening all the time in this world. Yes, it's an ongoing situation that just unfortunately just does not shock anybody. It's just an everyday normal day mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, scenario, sadly. Uh, but yes, it's certainly, man, <laughs> again, it, it's just one of those incidents that it, it just shocks you. And yeah, they, they just go on with, with their day like <laughs> I was like, wow, it's just 
wow, it's just mind boggling. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the things I keep coming back to a lot as I as I was thinking about this movie is just there the hopelessness of this film is so prevalent, right? Mm-hmm. But there is a because it, it does take a parallel journey. At one point, Michael Caine's character, Jasper, is talking about this, right? The um, When he's telling the story of Theo, essentially. Oh, yes. And he talks about, oh, it's so brutal, right? And he's like yeah. listening in to like him narrating his own life. Yeah. And so he, he's talking about how reality or, you know, fate wins out over faith, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's such a beautiful way to think of this film in its totality, right? Because the two things that you're struck by is while Clive Owen is playing this completely emotionally detached guy, something has to keep him going, right? Exactly, yeah. And I think you see that throughout the film peppered in, especially when he meets Julianne Moore again. Mm-hmm. Like, even just knowing she's out there, that's enough for him, even if it's combative. But the thing that really leaps off the screen this time, and I don't know if it's just about the times we're in or this and that, is the the absolute cruelty, right? And the barbaric nature of the world that we're learning about. Yeah. Because again, there's this part, there's there's no more kids, right? Mm-hmm. So there's there's less people, there's not this like why are we still battling over immigration and you know, having armed guards and all this stuff? Because if it's pointless and everyone's just gonna be gone, why still the brutality? What did you make of that um in the film? I think that's that's that that sociopolitical narrative is what hits me most uh, because it's unfortunately so relevant in in terms of of what's happening here in the U.S. And again, considering that this was done in 2006 and what, like 15 years ago. um, Yeah, there's just so much we can relate to that's currently um, ongoing, but it's also unfortunately a realization of this is a worldwide situation. Um, this is it. This is the, the unfortunate reality of everything that's going on in the world. And I think, um, I think this is one of Guadon's forte. It's telling these realistic <laughs> stories that exposes humanity at its worst mm-hmm. <laughs> which unfortunately we tend to be on in, in on a, a lot um, yeah. sadly but you do bring up a, an excellent point why continue doing this why mm-hmm. continue putting people in cages and why why these atrocities continue to happen if there's no need for it if literally our the human race is going to be gone within a few years why right on going <laughs> That's a great point, and I think, I think maybe I'm. I'm per, um, this is how I'm interpreting it. There's no use for this, whether you have children or not, whether there are kids or not. This is not how we're supposed to treat other human beings. So yeah. e- even though, uh, yes, there's no the human race is at risk. I think whether there's children or not this is just unacceptable these things should not be happening and i guess maybe yeah. at some to some extent that's part of the message as well that he's trying to send yeah because it, it's kind of the strange underlying thing that i kept pondering in the movie because again yeah. if this happened to me like i've always said if there's like a post-apocalyptic scenario i'm doing what jasper does i'm going to the <laughs> woods to just party and make jokes and you know I'm living my best yes. life until it all burns down. And the yes. thought of 
like the people still going to their jobs and commuting, you see this oppression, but like there, there's the amazing scene where it's so brutal too. Cause when we find out uh, that she's pregnant, right. Uh, mm-hmm. Is her name key key is pregnant. Key, yeah. Um, you hear them all talking about what do we do with this baby? How can we most utilize this baby? And it's, it's horrifying in a way, right? Yeah. It's so brutal. Because you start, because this is one of the things Clive Owen's character says at one point is he was, um, he was talking about, you know, oh, it's, it's too late now. Everything's fucked. Mm-hmm. But the 18 years without kids, we're fucked. Like, even if we have kids now, it's over. Which I think by the end of the film, Quran is trying to say that's not true. Hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, God only knows how this movie would play out if we got another movie. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's so strange to just see the because you, you start pondering, you're like, who's who's making all the money? Who's funneling the resource? Like, what is the point of all this? And it, I think what it gets to in something that affects our world, right, is in this film, the children are hope, right? That they'll do better than we do. So yeah. I get up and go to the job I hate to provide them the resources to go and have a better life, right? Mm-hmm. And in this film, you take that out and it's like, and now it, the, what he's exposing is just cruelty for cruelty's sake. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I, I think he says it a few times it's, it's just fascism <laughs> uh, to, to some extent and and it's it, it is sad they are some um, very touching and moving moments particularly when uh, they go to the school that's been abandoned for years and mm-hmm. and you can see it um and and you see key who's sitting in the swings and again there's just this symbolism <laughs> of yeah i'm carrying a child yes perhaps I, I do have hope i i am bringing hope to humanity but i think the brilliance of this film that i that it further elevates its impact. It's the fact that it doesn't shy away from um, killing a lot of the uh, of the main characters here, Seriously. which further <laughs> further umps up the stakes. Yes, particularly in that third act. You yeah. seriously do not know. It's not a formulaic film whatsoever in terms of, oh, well, yeah, he's the protagonist. He's going to survive. Yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 no. This film goes all out and such so that you seriously do not know. You're, it's very uncertain what's going to happen at the end. Yeah, it's because I think the moment in the film where that all shifts, right, is uh, the car ambush scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which. I think is one of the most brilliant scenes I've ever seen in any film, right? That yes, is one of those agreed. scenes that it, it hits you so hard and so fast. And it kind of perfectly melds everything this film does, right? I was reading about how they built this car differently so they could tilt actors out of the way and open the, you know, windscreen and everything. Mm-hmm. They wanted to, sh- they didn't want to do this CG. They wanted to make it look like one long continuous take. Yeah. To keep that documentary immersion. But that scene, more than any of the others, even, I would say, you so feel like you're trapped in that car. And Mm -hmm. it's horrifying. And you don't know why these people are doing it. We still never really find out why those people ambushed that car, right? Mm -hmm. And when Julianne Moore gets shot, it is one of the most affecting deaths I've ever seen in a movie. And I'm a horror movie nut. So I've seen (laughs) hundreds of thousands of people get killed, I feel like. Yeah. But that one, it almost feels like the blood splatters through the TV on you. Mm-hmm. And it is, I mean, that, that scene is unbelievable. What about that leapt off the screen to you? Oh, man. 
the same thing. You you do feel kind of like claustrophobic because you are yes. inside that vehicle. <laughs> and they capture that so well. And when she gets shot, you literally see her die in real time, which mm. further elevates that impact of, of her death. And yeah, I, man, yeah, that's certainly one of those scenes that has stayed with me. It will probably stay with me for quite a few years. And man, so effective. Again, Guadon is such a brilliant filmmaker that I just can't get enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I mean, the, the other thing too is that's that's one of those pivotal moments, just the filmmaking aside is stunning, but mm-hmm. what is really cool about that one is that's the moment, because right before the ambush is where we see uh, Clive Owen finally seemingly has a moment of happiness like a legitimate moment of joy right Mm -hmm. where they do the ping pong trick yeah um and so there's a small part of you that's like oh he's got a mission now he's on his way something's really good right and when it goes bad and you watch him hold her um again in a film that that mostly drums up the hopelessness to see him lose something that really matters, um, mm-hmm. it, it it rebonds the audience to why this movie matters, right? Why it's not yeah. pointless. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think it, it comes back to what you were saying and Clive Owen's performance in here. When we're first introduced to him, it's just, he doesn't care about what's going on. And then to see him go through uh, the grief of, of losing the mother of his child after still probably even grieving the loss of his own child, and certainly, man, yeah, yeah, it's certainly a powerful film uh, uh, scene, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. that, yeah, it says a lot. It says a lot about the movie. It says a lot about the world building we're in. And it's right there and then where you realize, yeah, nobody in this film is safe at all. Yeah, and I mean, that, that, that is the moment where everything crashes down upon. Yeah. I feel like yeah. from there, we start getting into this very cat and mouse routine, right? Mm -hmm. Um, because right after that is the people who we think are there to save her that his ex-wife trust and this and that Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden they're they're starting to betray each other and they're gonna kill him and take the girl to start this revolution so I think that's the that's the journey that's it's again it's just one of those brilliant kind of writing moments Mm -hmm. where they bonded us the moment I really love is after the car chase right where they kind of stop and he wanders over by this tree and just kind of squats down and we see him kind of break and start crying. Yeah. Um, and then the moment they call him, he kind of like, like buttons it up. And it's like, dude, why are you like, let it out. Man. <laughs> like, this is a really yeah. horrendous thing you just saw, but he buttons it up. Right. Yeah. Um, and so whether he knows it or not yet, he's, he, he, it feels like he's compelled to finish for her. And mm-hmm. so that that giving us a reason to to buy in more, um, I think makes that next part more tolerable. Because once you see everyone start, because that once we find out there's a baby, it's like these people acting so horrible becomes so much more horrifying. Right. Right. <laughs> so yes. What did what did you make of the the reveal of the baby? 
I was not expecting it when I first watched it. Uh, I was curious to know why she was so focused and determined and, and protecting this, this woman and, and trying to get her into safety. And I think it's very symbolic, the, the revelation and how all of that uh, comes to be. And again, here, here we go. Uh, we got Theo now that has another, another purpose, another reason right. uh, to survive, <laughs> to, to continue living. Um, for the girl of course for the unborn child but also to finish uh what what the um ex-wife or wife i'm not entirely sure uh, what julianne moore was mm -hmm. but to finish what she started and, and and complete that mission for her on her behalf yeah yeah because i think that's the because there's that great scene where they're fighting on the double decker bus right yeah <laughs> and you can tell there's just years of pent-up aggression yeah. right like they're so yeah. visceral viscerally angry Right. Almost trying to like open up the old wounds as fast as they can. But I was kind of struck by, I was like, it's not really a meanness factor. It's the fact that they, they are the reason that they can each keep pushing, right? Just knowing that person's out there. That really hit me a lot more today than the first time I saw it when I was a lot younger. Mm -hmm. um, and then once he makes that leap, right? Once he makes that leap of faith, I think that's kind of one of the, the other techniques this movie employs is the 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 kind of pulled away documentary thing. Mm -hmm. I feel like that seeps away once we go to Jasper's house, right? And that's twice. When we go to Jasper's house, it feels warmer and more close up, right? So it, it mm -hmm. has this intimacy where we feel safe for a while. Right. <laughs> I think in a movie like this, you really need that. <laughs> that little yeah. bit of respite from the storm. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And I think that's also a, a brilliance of, of, of using the, the environment and the locations to your advantage, because mm -hmm. the cinematography and the, of course, the production design does engrosses you into the world uh, that, that we're currently inhabiting. But I think it's the little details from uh, like the floor, the mud, it has this muddy and moisty uh, look to it that yeah. you're looking at it and yet you do feel that coldness and you do feel it, it does translate somehow <laughs> weirdly <laughs> um, into you. So yes, to go into, into the forest and, and with the Michael Caine character, yes, it certainly changes the environment and the mood uh, of the movie because you do have that, that warmness in it and Again, I guess it's just, I think it is, it's this film in general, to me, it's so much memorable because Cuaron challenges the stereotypical conventions of your disaster film and mm. your sci-fi film by just not, not completely challenging them and giving them that extra twist that you normally don't get in your in your stereotypical films. And, and I think that's what stands out <laughs> more uh, about the movie for me. But yeah, I, I, man, those scenes, particularly in the forest, I, mm -hmm. I think if I was in this world, which I might as well be, it's like six years from now. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> we, <laughs> um, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, six years from now. Um, <laughs> I'd probably be like, I'll find a cabin next to you and then just be in the forest. Yeah, hell yeah. We'll have a good yeah. time. We'll have board game nights. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, it's crazy. My wife sent me an article. Mm -hmm. It was so funny <laughs> because apparently someone did a study. I think it was oh. even Aaron Brockovich who maybe broke this or ripped it. 
But because of all the chemicals and plastics and all that stuff, there is a, they think by 2045, we're going to have a mass infertility in our species and that the average penis size is shrinking across the world. So she sent me that and I was like, oh my God, I'm watching that movie right now. <laughs> wow. I know. Because the article you know says what? we have all these microplastics, like every uh -huh. week we might be eating like a credit card's worth of plastics and it was crazy, really? but yeah, this, this is something apparently that we're on the verge of. So I feel like everyone needs to pay extra close attention. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Watch the film. Try to uh, tactfully uh, plan out <laughs> what, yes. what awaits for you. Eliminate you know plastics. Be nicer to people when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Embrace the, the environment and, and organics. I was listening. Um that because I work in the medical field, I work in a laboratory and I was reading these scientific papers about COVID and how a lot of these, um, how the virus is, um, is kind of like changing or modifying the DNA of the people that are being um, infected by it. And that th there's a possibility of infertility because of that. <laughs> Horrifying, right? Like it's just, I yes. see my wife is a nurse, so she has to talk to me like I'm my six year old. Yeah, I have no I, I told her I think of the body like just an empty shell. Like when I eat, it falls all the way to my feet. Right. Oh, like, I have yeah. no idea how anything <laughs> in my body. Works. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. She sends me these things. I'm like, stop. It's too scary for me. I can't handle that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so, yeah. but I think that's the thing, right? Because this, again, the biggest science fiction to me is always the stuff that is so scary because you're like, yeah, that could be real. And I think that's what this movie does exceptionally well. And I think that the cool thing about the Michael Caine segment too, besides just he's he's so charming in these films, right? Yeah. This is a really good period for him. He was on a run. But from the time we meet him, right? So it starts with Clive Owen, who's so dour. Mm -hmm. And when you meet Michael Caine, it's almost obnoxious at the start. He's so relentlessly happy mm -hmm. and optimistic. And then what I love about the intimacy of the cabin too, is we pan past the pictures and see his former life. His yeah. wife is now catatonic. Um, they don't really know why it seems like the government may have roughed her up. Right. She was a photojournalist. Mm -hmm. We see the picture of Clive Owen and his son, uh, you know, Dylan, I think it was and his, his uh, ex-wife. And I think that it's, it's the two sides of the coin, right? Is that I think there's so many of us that would just become fatalistic. But I think in this movie, it's really important to show that there would still be people out there like Julianne Moore, who's fighting for something, or even just Michael Caine, who's just, you know, this is the only game in town. This is the only life. So I'm going to try as hard as I can mm -hmm. to soak it up. Right. And there, there is yeah. something so beautiful about those moments, like even his one of his final moments uh, when he just tells his wife he loves her. Mm -hmm. I was like that meant so much to me in this film right just seeing that someone cares right and, and and everyone else feels like those moments are predicated on their reaction to the child mm -hmm. um his just seemed like he had a little bit better of a day but that he would have been that way anyways um True. so i think he's a really cool it, it felt like just this oasis and this really sad futuristic desert <laughs> yes um, it, it reminded me a lot now that you're mentioning it. Um, you've seen a, a Annihilation, right? Oh, I love Annihilation. Okay. Yeah. 
and how when the girls the, the the four women go into into the shimmer and you have one of them that's fighting against everything that's going on on, on a molecular level and then you have like the tessa thompson character who just mm-hmm. embraces it she doesn't want to fight it she wants nothing to do with it and yeah. just embraces what's going on it's, it's very much similar it, it just yes. goes to tell the different type of mindsets and uh, the philosophical ideals that we have in in terms of life um we only get one life why not mm-hmm. just make the best out of it and i think this is the kind of approach that the michael king yeah. character is is living by <laughs> well especially yeah. even in this world right where it's so he's still just trying right yeah and i, I thought that was just lovely because yeah even like tessa thompson in annihilation what i love about that is that she's not just reduced to the science of it well it's inevitable i'm already infected she mm-hmm. seems really truly to look at it like it's a wondrous thing Like, how fortunate am I to do this? And I think that's how he feels is I got to have my time in a world and with this woman that, you know, this is still good for me. And that was, I had forgotten. So I was telling you earlier, I was giving you the scoreboard of all my crying moments. Yeah. (laughs) And when they came back and I remembered that this didn't go well for him. Right. Yeah. But I thought he had killed himself with the quietest. And that hurt my soul so badly for 30 seconds as for that guy to give up even mm-hmm. really made me say you're like it's understandable I feel like that would be something I would ponder a lot in this world but it hurt me and when he woke up I oh thank god and then it just was worse like five minutes later <laughs> how sad is that oh. it's kind of like they give us these little happy moments you're like okay a little sign of hope and then poof (laughs) they just twist it on you and just completely give you a shot of reality yeah well i think that's why this movie is so brilliant another way right because i feel like a lot of movies go either or where it's some movies get caught up on that screenwriting book thing right where it's obstacles make it harder 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 Mm -hmm. where it's like i get it it's like they're solving this never-ending puzzle but we don't stop and just spend time enjoying being humans and being alive, right? It's like a rat in a maze action movie. We're like, that stuff's fun. But this, you know, it, it feels, cause it's so funny too. Cause we see him like trying to jumpstart that car and there's guns and you're like, this is a lot of madness going on. He's wanted the state government propaganda machines, you know, telling everyone they're terrorists. Yeah. But it seems really weird to stop for five to 10 minutes of this movie and just have a nice dinner right? And tell <laughs> jokes and stories and talk about yeah. UFOs. But I was like, that's, that's why these people would want to keep going, yeah. right? That's why Clive Owen at the start of the movie is wrong. It's not all fucked, man. Because even that guy who thinks that still had this friend and he still had that ex-wife and he's seen a birth, you know? So I think that is really important. And the way that they even play it, that he's still doing the pull my finger joke as they keep shooting him, <laughs> it's him being defiantly happy and it's one of those things i had really forgotten how cool that choice was in this film yes oh man (laughs) now now that we get into and i just watched it a few minutes ago and (laughs) just imagine it and talking about it it's filling me up with all the emotions i know Um, well this is my goal is to not cry on this zoom call but i make no promises Same here. I might end up uh, shedding a, a tear here and there because it's certainly one of those films. Oh yeah. That I think as 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 a film as a film viewer, it's 
very on a filmmaking technique. It's very, I don't like to use the M word a lot, but masterfully done um, in, in every sense of the word. But I think as parents and as human beings and in the current situation that we're at with this pandemic it I th- it hits us differently it certainly hits us differently and of oh, course man. it makes us value more uh, the importance of children <laughs> as as much as we can probably get frustrated with them and so on and so forth at the end of the day they are the future they are the ones that are going to continue on on a bio- biological um sense yes they're 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 going to be the one that's going to keep the the human species alive but in more of a of a maternal and more on on a more personal level yeah i i think i was just like you guys when i finished watching this movie because i have four girls to top it yep. off um <laughs> uh yeah i just went in there and just hugged every one of them and they're like what's going on i'm like nothing just hug me <laughs> oh man well too i was like alfonso's really just trying to hurt us because yeah. that when the title the credits start at the end it's just children laughing yeah like after what we just saw like how dare like it was just like this very personal attack. I was like, God damn. but that's because that was one of the things I think Julianne Moore's character says this line where she's like that ringing in your ear. That's the ears dying. Yeah. And when that's gone, you'll never hear that sound again. And as the movie starts playing, I was like, oh, my God, that's they're kind of telling us that about the, the voices of children. Right. Children. Yes. It's yeah. Double meaning. Oh, my God. Really? It, it really hurt a lot. So yeah, one of the one of the things that's really cool too is you you pair the the journey from Jasper's house to the prison camp even, and we we have that great interlude at the school. But what really strikes you is how chaotic this world is. Is that this miracle baby, right? This thing that can change the world. How many times this kid almost just gets killed because everything's gone so bad yeah. that we we don't even have the time to embrace this miracle also by the way miracle for the listeners uh alex is back so don't be shocked i'm here <laughs> our little miracle yeah. the internet the internet does not hate me actually i don't know what happened but whatever well until he until he makes us mad again and me and rose will boot him but for now he's back <laughs> how dare i speak so highly of this film <laughs> So, yeah, Actually, so uh, you wanted to talk about the school feels like the perfect time. You you're, you yeah. came in hot. You wanted to get back on a, a topic. So go, man. Take it. Honestly, I um, I we didn't talk about this yet, I don't think. Obviously, I haven't been here for a hot minute. But uh, <laughs> well, the cool kids did. You weren't invited. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, then I'll circle back to it. Um, Yeah. The um, I love that scene where they stop in the school. And uh, mm-hmm. it, one of the like one of my favorite characters in this whole thing, like. So she plays, basically, she plays a a neonatal nurse. She's a midwife. And she starts describing how everyone started realizing babies weren't being born anymore. And that is just like, like, it's rare in a movie. Like, this movie particularly does so well visually that it's rare when they stop down to let characters do to any sort of talking. And they do this to, like, devastating effect twice. This is one of them. And the other one is the previous part. when Jasper describes uh, Dylan, the baby that mm-hmm. Theo and Julian had, like it's just this amazing thing where like, it's this exposition offered for like in the most like unremarkable way. I think that's like the thing that's so amazing about this movie is so much about it is remarkable that when you get to these quiet moments where people are just talking, 
it almost lands more than any of the action could possibly it's because of these quiet moments because it's you're like the whole movie is filled with so much more bombast like not just like the action sequences but just the overall narrative itself when you have these smaller moments where these people are talking about like their experience of how this world came to be it's i mean it's just unbelievably brutal and then jennifer saunders is just like she should not be that good at dramatic acting (laughs) she's just so fucking good oh my god well she's like she's the in-between jasper and theo right where yeah she seems at the start like she's this hard you know kind of warrior of the cause but then like when jasper mentions ufos and you see her perk up and she still had like the scene that is devastating with her is when um clive owen watches jasper get shot Yes. And her immediate reaction is to reach a hand out and comfort Theo. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, don't you fucking touch And you're like, fucking touch me. It that but that's that's what this movie does brilliantly, is that while it is this big giant worldwide cataclysm, right? It just really brings us down to this core group. And I think that's the only way we can really I think that's how sci-fi has to be effective. Cause I mean, even like now, when I watch the news, they talk about global economies and this, you're like, it's so big and so convoluted. But I understand those three people in that car driving away. But even that, right? Like her talking about how it happens, that's another little bit of brilliant world building. Because right. it's not just that people, because that was something I thought, I'm like, the government doesn't need these like prison camps. They need like spring break camps, right? Where it's like, just go on the beach and government sanctioned margaritas and condoms or not condoms the opposite of condoms yeah. right like you guys got to be like thumping on a beach all the time until we have kids but when she describes it right that was the thing i had totally spaced the fact that there were women that were pregnant and then it becomes this almost like biblical plague yeah i didn't think they about start miscarrying and that makes it so much more horrifying and devastating than just infertility yeah. What did you make of that, Rosa? Yeah, I think, yeah, it, it's the, the description aspect of it. And then you having to visualize it. And as a woman, um, I mean, I'm lucky enough that I've never had a miscarriage, but I, I can't even imagine or even attempt to visualize something like that happening. It's oh. just unimaginable to, to think about. So, yeah, to have that scene, particularly in a school that's been yeah vacant for decades yeah um and you see her out on the swing in the back and it's like oh god everything in this scene is weaponized (laughs) yes but that's what he does that's done so brilliantly yeah i have to edit myself real quick it's not jennifer saunders i forgot it's because she has red hair it's actually this actress named pam ferris who's most famous for being the trench (laughs) so there we go I pulled a old Matilda's bully. Yeah. Well, I I like that you added the fabulous, at least when you just absolutely gave her credit away. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh my God. Pam Ferris forever. I can't believe like, I think it's because the red dreads throw me off and I always think it's Jennifer Saunders, but yeah, Pam Ferris, the trunch. (laughs) Yeah. Such an opposite role. Um, so this is, this is again, kind of our last breath before we meet Sid, who's just brilliant Sid is very awesome I love the third person um this is when we go to the the prison city uh this scene might be the segment of them entering the prison city might be 
some of the more powerful imagery in the movie, right? Oh, Where, absolutely. Because um, once you go in the city, it almost becomes a completely new reality from what we've already established. But that bit of her having the contractions and her midwife trying to protect her, and then outside it, you see uh, dead bodies piled up. You see people in yeah. cages. You see people stripped to their underwear and handcuffed. Uh, this is so brutal when we're watching all of this through a window past the woman who is about to give birth. Uh, it really struck me this time thinking about, because I think as parents, we all think about that, right? The world we're bringing our kids into. Um, this feels like one of the most extreme examples of a director saying, hey, man, stop and really think about the world that you are creating right now. Uh, Rosa, how did this scene uh, land for you? Powerful. Um, <laughs> you're just mentioning that the scene, a lot of the scene, uh, that this scene is very powerful. And so I think the whole damn movie is powerful. Yeah. And it is just yes. a compilation of just more powerful uh, sequences. But yes, I had the exact same reaction. I was like, oh man, what did I bring these girls into? <laughs> I'm like, why am I getting kids right now? Um, yeah, it, it does hit you. It's literally a, a slap of realization of, of reality and makes you think, uh, what, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. what, what are we doing? And what world are we bringing these kids into? And yeah, it's just, yeah, just too powerful. And then what happens to the midwife as soon as that that happens? I'm just like, oh, it's just heartbreaking just to see that play out. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 that brilliant play of them trying to save her. Yeah. And what I love about the midwife is, because they talk about this a couple of times, there's these really great intimate moments. Like she talks about, you know, the hospital. But I love even when uh, Key talks about She's like, I had never seen a pregnant woman, but I knew. So there's just these really intimate moments and in the bond between those two in the film, when she stands up to literally put her body between Kai and this yeah. guard or Key and this guard, they're like, that scene accomplishes so much for a character. I mean, some movies don't develop a character that well in the entirety of a script, right? That one scene is just perfection. Yeah, that, that's what the purpose and, and the, the job, unfortunately, of a midwife <laughs> to, to protect the mother. Yeah, and it geez. goes to an extreme. And, and it sounds very, perhaps very um, cold <laughs> to say it, but she accomplished her purpose as a midwife, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's, it's strange, too, because I feel like from this point on in the film, we see several characters just willing to stay behind and be in peril. Mm -hmm. to move this kid forward yeah right like um the gypsy lady minari is that her name no that's a movie that's out <laughs> yeah, that's a movie that's out <laughs> i can't remember maliva no that's uh, i think it's marika wolfman marika yeah some m name you know how it goes but when she's in the sewer at the end and she doesn't get on the boat but she yeah. you could tell she's so immensely impacted by this i thought that was a strange choice in the film it's almost as if they can't fathom that there's hope anymore. Like they don't want to let themselves get attached to the kid. Right. It's really that. Did you notice that at all, Alex? Yeah. I mean, I think there's something that's really fascinating about the way um, 
Shivo and Alfonso Cuaron choose to shoot this is like with the one take thing. And this is like the power of the one take for me is when people are left behind on the one take, like when Mm -hmm. you're with someone that long and that long, like focused on camera, when they fade away into the background, when they leave, like when, um, when Pam Ferris, the actress, Pam Ferris, (laughs) she's a, when she's taken out of the when she's taken out of the bus and she's put uh amongst the other refugees in the camp you just see her like she's literally we're watching her out of the corner yeah. of our eye on the screen so like for me the emotional weight of people literally just fading into the distance is the thing that's really wonderful because it's like almost like their their power as a character is what is to propel the narrative forward so mm-hmm. that you see the movie leaving the you almost it's this weird thing of like and this really is like to me the awesomeness of this cinematographer is the one take bit of literally watching someone use their acting power to literally propel the story forward by being left behind is what's really fascinating about the use of this kind of uh the, the this way of filmmaking that's what makes it that much more resonant that's more that much more powerful the emotional weight of those performances are just left behind and awake. It's amazing. Yeah, right. Clive Owen, I mean, the weight on his face when he's leaving Jasper's after he's now watched the two people he cares about die, it has this Jacob Marley from A Christmas Carol. Like, the cha- you, like you feel the chains and the ghost weighing on him. And even the midwife who he didn't seem to want to have that emotion with, you can see it in his face when they finally get a moment of respite. And it's just, yeah, I think that's a really good way to look at it, right? Is even as we watch them dissipate off the screen, they almost become more present in the shot, which is really strange. Um, Rosa, I wanted to dive into what did you make when we in, uh, make of entering this city? Uh, this portion of the film is where everything just gets turned up to 11. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I say it like that because you're already... Uh, within the film, you're seeing all the chaos that's going on, and then somehow they manage to ump up that chaos um, further, uh, more, and increase it, which is, oh man, again, just brilliant, uh, brilliant uh, from these filmmakers. And yeah, they're so so smart and, and very brilliant in terms of, of this world building. And I guess as a mother, um, I, I was very particularly when she's about to give birth and I'm thinking oh my god you're giving birth and just the on the floor Mm. literally and it's so (laughs) dirty and I'm like oh my god I just hope you don't get an infection I'm just thinking of all I think of all the same things absolutely oh I was just like you're glad that was like a 10 minute birth (laughs) I know right (laughs) it took a long ass time to come out (laughs) I hate to be on that dirty mattress for like 16 hours Yes, and, and it's of course it, it has to do with with everything the the, the set design the aesthetics of it all. It, it just gives you that not not like disgusting wise, but it concerns you. You're you're already invested in these characters. You're invested in this unborn child, and just to see it born in such a dirty place and not dirty place in, in the negative way, but hygienically speaking. Yeah. Well, no, this um, is like a, a place that is forgotten, right? Like they build yeah. the walls up to like, this mm-hmm. is you don't fucking come out here. It is this like lost world. It's yeah. yeah. The brilliant part of that scene that just floored me was um, 
as the baby's born, right? Because when he comes out, there's this moment of stillness. And I remember this from yeah. my own son being born because he had the cord around his neck. Mm-hmm. And you just have this moment like, oh my fucking God. And so that catching your breath and then you hear the cry. Mm-hmm. And right, there's this there's this kind of din that exists throughout the movie, right? Of traffic and rioters and sirens and dogs barking. Um, the sound design is very aggressive, right? It's, it's abrasive to your ears the whole movie. And as this kid begins to cry, right? The first kid, see, I'm getting choked up again. The first kid is born, right? There's this operatic swell of music and that background din just goes away. And it's just this, this, you know, the, the cry that remakes the world. Yeah. And just those two, like, they just kind of sit and, you know, they, they just make a joke and just have a laugh. And it is such a powerful moment because for the movie to be about this kid being born, right? There's a part of me that as you're watching it, you feel like you won't see the kid get born, right? They'll go off on the boat and you'll always have to wonder. But no, this movie says, no, it it happens. And sooner than you would think, sooner than the characters obviously wanted. And for them to just have that moment to take it, they're the two people that know now that everything is different. Um, that, But yeah, that sound design throughout the movie is brilliant. But that moment really, really gobsmacked me today. Yeah, I th- it's, it's interesting. I feel like the stillness of like the stillness of that moment and the birth itself being so it's not like shot grotesquely there's not close-ups mm-hmm. or anything like that like i think that's a really important part about this in general is like it's not the action of birth it is the feeling altogether of it happening again is what's supposed to really impact the moment and i think it just it crushes in like the best way possible because it is this joyous, beautiful moment. Like I remember I totally forgot, like the baby comes out quiet and mm-hmm. that was like my, my kid was born premature. And actually that was something that I was really freaked out about when they gave my wife a C-section and they pulled him out and I was like, he's not going to cry. Like I have to be prepared to like tell my wife, like, it's okay. Like he's fine. He's just not going to cry because his lungs aren't necessarily there yet. And he fucking it like it made me there it is right there made me choke up today and because it reminded me like the kid my kid started crying immediately when he was born I'm like oh my god like this is this wave of relief yeah man and so like watching that scene when they hover over the baby and like his arm or the her arm slumps off and then catches that was where I was like oh my god like yeah I know the movie has to continue and I know the baby is born and alive. But that's like the power of the emotions that fuel this yeah. movie. Is even then, I'm like, oh my god, it's, did they change the cut? Do I not remember this movie correctly? But no, yeah. like, <laughs> I drank a lot in college. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, it is. It's it's an amazingly intimate way to make yeah. you feel the immense gravity of this birth, right? Um, yeah. And again, that's very short lived because then immediately Sid comes Sid. in, and you're like why is he dressed like that? Something's wrong. And then he starts pointing a gun at Key and you're just like, oh my God, oh my God. It's like, how did they find a way to like make me sick to my stomach all over again within like, you know, two minutes of movie time. (laughs) So um, Rosa, this is where the kind of all the narrative threads that we've been playing at of 
the different people that want to use the baby for different things. Mm -hmm. um, they all kind of hit in this scene with Sid and then the, um, the, the conspirators from the house arrive again. Um, what was going through your mind during this segment of the film? I, I uncertainty <laughs> because right. it, like we were talking about earlier that that the ambush in the vehicle uh, has cemented that nobody is safe in this film. So yeah. when they do walk in and they they do aim the gun at her, I'm like, oh my god, no way! Yep. They're actually gonna kill her, and he's gonna have to go with the baby now, and he's gonna you already start um, anticipating and speculating what's going to happen. And because, <laughs> yeah, for sure. and because this damn film is non-formulaic, the stakes are further amped up that you don't know what's going to happen. So you're literally at the edge of your seat. You're like, oh my shit, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what to expect. You, you're not even allowed to speculate because you know you're probably not going to speculate accordingly. But yeah, j just to see what everybody was planning or, or what they wanted to do with the baby it's uh, <laughs> it's just so it, it was hard it was difficult to watch although I think it kind of does uh com not compensate but it, it does um uh, I can't think right now uh because it's just too much <laughs> it's visceral like it's such yeah. a like everything about like it's dehumanizing it, right yes this is, this is the craziest thing about this movie is i don't remember it being this short like it's an hour and 40 minutes i thought too i thought this was a three-hour movie it's I, an hour i legitimately 50. paused it and i'm like are we already here did i miss something yeah and i paused i'm like oh my god there's only 30 minutes of fucking movie left how is that possible mm -hmm. so many more emotional beats have to hit and then that whole sequence starts and it's just like that's the master like to me that's the masterful portion of this movie like everything is great there is nothing more masterful about this movie than this single take essentially of everyone's experience seeing mm. the first new human in a de over a decade. Like everyone has this sort of unique, like she would tell a Geofor's moment when he's like explaining how he felt like he's literally in the middle of firing a gun down at, uh, down at the cops and he's literally saying like i didn't know what to do when i saw her i, I haven't seen a baby in so long like reminded me of yeah. sister i started crying like i yeah. everyone has this everyone has this visceral reaction and it echoes into the audience like that is the craziest thing about this movie is i remember when i saw this in the theater the stillness when the baby starts crying and everyone just chills and yes, lets them walk yes. through which is like i mean there's no finer moment in the movie like I, it's yeah. hard to find one i'd say but the theater <laughs> that i was in you could hear a fucking pin drop it was yeah. unbelievable it's well imagine unbelievable. what is the predecessor to that right so they come out they brain this guy with a car battery yep uh there is a riot starting based on a dead man on a door as they walk against the flow of that right new life mm -hmm. walking past old dead life and you're like oh fuck this is not good they kidnap the baby. He runs into a bus. Everyone's getting shot, right? He's just dodging Everyone. bullets. Everyone. And as he's like, that's the building where they are, a tank fucking shoots a shell into that building. And you're like, that's where the baby is, is where they're shooting it with a fucking yeah. tank. And he's like, I better get in there. And that's the stage that leads to this showdown, which is because that's the thing. 
that the dehumanizing of everyone fighting for the baby. I thought that was such a brilliant choice to have this hardened man who wants rebellion. He's been burned by this world. And he just says, I forgot how small they were. Yeah. Right. And like to watch him just, you know, and it is kind of the really cool visual of that too. Not only everyone's stopping, the war literally stops for what? Two minutes. Right. Um, but you're like, the, the movie's telling like the world is remade. She's already that baby is already changing hearts and minds. And granted, it, the movie also stops to tell us, yeah, not for long, because as soon as they get outside, everyone starts shooting again. And you're yes. like, fuck, we just can't help ourselves, can we? But that, that small window is exactly what children are, right? It makes you think of your own kids. And you're like, no matter what I failed at or what I won't do, you know, hopefully whenever I'm gone, someone will be out there and smile and be like, my dad did this. And, you know, yeah. you'll have time to think about the great lives they'll lead and their grandchildren. And the movie captures what is so powerful about children. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's perfection in my mind. I mean, it's, yeah. it is that hope, right? This is why we try to not be so shitty. And I think you could argue we're not always great at it. Oh, right? I, I won't I, argue. I wouldn't argue that at all. <laughs> I think we've, we've had a lot of examples of not turning in our A-plus homework, but I think most people want to, right? Most people have kids. You don't want to be like, yeah, I hope we just keep getting worse and fight more and there's wars and plagues. Like, you want it to be better, right? And the movie, that that scene, so I think the car ambush scene is just technically, I mean, it's it reminds me of that Thor quote, right? Like, anything sufficiently advanced in technology feels like magic that's what i thought when i watched that car ambush i'm like how is this even fucking possible yeah but that scene with the baby that's just that is actual that, magic. that visual magic that movies yeah. can do that so few mediums can do where you just it's it just shows you the whole human experience in such a brilliant yeah. way uh rosa what what did what did you make of the journey out to sea. This is kind of the end, the end of our road, right? The proverbial yeah. birth into the, the foggy ocean. Yes. And, and just to add to what you guys were talking about right now, that's the scene that just broke me. <laughs> that, that's the scene yes. where I just <laughs> entirely lose it. Absolutely. And, and to see and realize that for a minute, for a moment, people can actually stop fighting because of this child, because of this symbol of hope, because of life. Um, it gives you a little bit of hope, just like you said, because the moment they get out, they get back to their, Absolutely. their shit. And and yes, that, that's what just gets me. And every single time I watch that scene, it never fails to just break me uh, yeah. at all. Well, even before the walk, like when they're shooting and you're like, that baby's getting dust in its lungs, stop! Oh, it's yeah. just... There's so much emotion in this. <laughs> um, I'll tell There's you so the scene that there. finally, like, all the way broke me in half, and I was, like, ugly crying, uh, is when Clive Owen's trying to show her how he comforted his baby. Oh, my God. Because you don't think about yeah. it. She said, I'd never seen a pregnant woman. So you're like, she's probably never seen anyone breastfeed. She's yeah. probably never seen how to swaddle or how to burp or... And watching him do that, and he smiles, right? And we know there's blood everywhere. And um, But as he's showing her, and she's patting the baby, right? Uh, and he just goes, it's all going to be okay. 
yeah. I mean, that that one just it, it broke my heart in half because you're like this guy again this is clive owen is so good at kind of the snarky it doesn't matter guy mm-hmm. and again this this is the jasper monologue right is that theo is a crisis of fate versus reality or fate versus fate and the end of the movie is telling us again we just seen this city fucking bombed right so the baby again could have been killed 10 times but they paddle out and again the fogginess is another brilliant touch right this uncertain future we don't know yeah um i was even sitting there having seen this multiple times i was like wait does this fucking boat come or does it just cut on a question and it wouldn't have mattered to me right but it's it's just it really it really gets to me because this was proving the example that jasper was telling us is that the movie is saying that for him whether true or not his faith won out right that just enough him running against the bullets and the tanks and putting himself out there with his sliced open flip-flop feet <laughs> his faith won out man because he yeah. was in that room and he saw the the hardened russian looking guy with the the gun and these people just playing with a baby on a bed and that's something we all fortunately get to see every day but imagine if you hadn't seen a baby in 18 years, like to see that in the middle of this place and then make it to the ocean, he legitimately believes it's going to be okay and dies before knowing if that's true or not. That's faith. That's the faith of of his journey. Yeah. I uh, (laughs) know it's such a brutal ending. (laughs) I honestly, like I, I forgot about the whole burping thing and legitimately just like, I, legitimately started crying like the hardest i've cried in a long time like not since the birth of my kid was i crying that hard like that was like holy shit and again like so many little pieces of this movie i had just forgotten because it was just i was so caught on that one moment where the baby starts crying and everyone stops fighting like so 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 much gets lost in you know and again that moment's incredible but there's so many other incredible moments and yeah i'm right there with you man that beat just broke me down to my core parts and just like i could not stop i could not stop even after the credits rolled and my look down and my kid was watching like fucking iron man on my phone like i'm like nope I don't <laughs> like it was... and then she says instead of frinkle or whatever harry potter name oh, she she'll had call before, him dylan oh my god I call him dylan unbelievable yeah. rosa how did this ending at sea what really leapt off the screen at you everything <laughs> <laughs> that could be the answer for every scene yeah. i agree right everything yeah everything um <laughs> i think with this film and then and i think it's hitting us a little bit more because we are parents and yeah definitely very rare does this happen to you all because me and alex talk about this like we always pick movies we've loved and we haven't Mm -hmm. watched them since we had kids Mm -hmm. you're like holy shit that's like a whole new thing (laughs) (laughs) it happens all the time right yeah well yeah your your perception it it changes you're certainly as a person as a human uh you do change uh, your viewpoints and so on and it's rare um when i see a movie that for example, it can have a pregnant woman and I can relate because, of course, I've been pregnant four times and feel like, OK, yes, I can relate to this or I can relate to that. 
it's rare when that happens with me because for the most part, it's just the film. And, and a lot of these pregnancies are very much exaggerated or they're not very realistically done. But in this film, there's only been two films so far that have actually <laughs> impacted me in that way where I'm like, oh my God, I felt that contraction. Like I actually felt a contraction <laughs> watching you. And it's been this one and it's been Pieces of a Woman. I thought you were oh, going to say shit. Junior. I thought you were going to say oh. Junior. <laughs> You're like Arnold really captured my experience. Stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, pieces, I haven't seen Piece of a Woman yet. That's next on my Oscar contender list. Oh my, brush up because it's brush <laughs> up because it's literally Ooh. the first twenty minutes or thirty minutes. It's a labor labor sequence. It's just her being in labor, and Ooh, it's real God. time and it's. Yes, what she does, what Vanessa Kirby does in that sequence. Oh my God, yes. I was like, wow, I'm literally with back pain and contractions and yeah, yeah beautifully acted. Um, but no, this this sequence that in this film, when, when her water broke in the bus, I was like, oh my God, yeah, please calm down. I'm like, no, that shit hurts. Don't tell me to calm down. Yeah. That thing is painful. Don't, yeah. I'm like, I try to console her, but don't tell her shut up. That thing does hurt. Um, and, and as a parent, yeah, it's those little things and these little pieces of nuggets, like you just said, like him holding it and holding the baby and burping it. And it's just those little things that only as a parent you'd understand that the, this entire film is filled with. And yeah, it's that last sequence and that last um, scene that again, it makes this film that much more uh, memorable because it's not your stereotypical ending. It's not your happily ever after. In fact, it's very much uncertain. And mm -hmm. unlike majority of the disasters films, your hero dies. <laughs> and it's something that, again, Cuaron challenges those genre conventions that I guess that's why this film just stands out so much mm -hmm. uh, because of, of his bold decisions and of course the filmmaking technique and all that good stuff so yeah that last and it and then as soon as that's done all you hear are just like little kids and then it just either, oh yeah that was, that was like, so oh. cruel that was so cruel is that not just like the, that's like the worst cherry on top of a Sunday of like a movie about them not being kids anymore like well you, imagine you guys are just fucking with us now so is he telling us it's all gonna be okay and soon the world will be filled with happy kids again or is this the ghost of all the kids that will never be born <laughs> I was like I really don't know which way he wants to go <laughs> very yeah. much a hmm. <laughs> yeah because I what I what I think is really special I mean this this film on just a technical craft level I mean, I, I just marvel at it. But what I, what I think this does, right, is I think a lot of science fiction movies, and I, I remember reading that he didn't even want to read the novel because he didn't want to start, I think he said he didn't want to second guess everything. So his co-writer read it and gave him like an abridged version to read so he could have the themes, but he didn't want to get caught in the weeds of all this. And I think what happens when you have a really brilliant sci-fi conceit, right, and a world with no kids, right? Like, you know, why the last man does that, right? There are, uh, are just all the men drop start dropping dead, right? Yeah. Whatever it may be, I feel like those ideas are so fun to explore that sometimes you get lost in this, uh, let's call it World War Z problem, right? Where it's, 
let's just look at this from every single 1,000, what's a cool thing that could happen in this world? And I think what Caron does that is so perfect is that he just remembers that none of this matters or works if, like Rosa said, we don't feel this emotionally, if it doesn't bond to the soul of our human experience. Yeah. And in every scene, right, even as the camera's flying around and you feel like you're in like a the worst Vice News episode ever, you always have that emotional anchor to someone in that scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it is. Like this this movie is literally filled with movie is filled with emotional anchors, but the obvious two are like Clive Owen and Key. And but what's interesting is they're not even emotional anchors because they're the main characters of the movie. They're emotional anchors because they're just avatars for all of our experience mm-hmm. with hopelessness and despair in the face of everything and trying to trying to manage all those expectations and all that unwillingness for the rest of the world to come to any sort of concession about the way we should all live. I mean, like I can tell you in the last year, we've all experienced (laughs) a very bizarre (laughs) form of this where it's like, we all have to like come to this conclusion. Like things are not necessarily going to be the same, but we have to figure out how to be, we can't all just collapse in on ourselves like dying stars. Like, and Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the crazy thing about this movie is at the end, I do feel this sense of hope, this like sense of unknowing hope. And that I think is probably the greatest gift this movie could give is that while Clive Owen dies, the spirit of what he was trying to accomplish before he was a broken person and and this like remakes him into a better person. He dies a hero because he decides to, like Griffey said, embrace that faith again. It's, it's, I mean, again, like, find me a better movie that does this. I I don't think you will. Well, I think it's the thing that, thankfully, I think people nowadays are a little more understanding of mental health struggles and this and that. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times, not enough movies, everything doesn't have to be, oh, I saved an entire planet with a punch or whatever. I think what this movie really does that says it is an act of bravery to just keep living, you know, (laughs) like to just keep moving forward and i think by the end of the film the fact that clive owens you know i gotta strap on the flip-flops and just keep taking steps it is heroic you know because i wouldn't say he's exceptionally heroic throughout most of the film but again for the world we live in it, it it can be really hard just to wake up every day yeah and i think that's the the really and i think that's why i would say that the ending is optimistic if not unsure is that Hey, that guy kept going. And I have to have faith that someone on that boat will just keep going. And throughout that, uh, Rosa, for our final thing here, did you see the ending as optimistic or pessimistic? I saw it as optimistic, as as dark as Guaron can get, particularly with reality. <laughs> oh, I, I think yeah. it was his 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 um his way of saying yes it's optimistic uh they they do survive or at least that's how i interpret it uh i I just find it mind-boggling that this film wasn't almost made uh because he was already done with the script as soon as he did he took it to several studios where he was rejected time after time after time after time 
And then that's when he eventually decides to go for the Harry Potter film. Yeah, he and took I Harry think, Potter and they yeah. rewrote this during that time, yeah. didn't they? It, Harry yeah. Potter was the baby that remade the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Children of Men is the boy who survived. <laughs> Dude, hey, that's smart though, man. That's just a guy knowing the business. He's like, I get into this Potter money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the only way he was able to do it. And that's when he goes yeah. back and, and does Children of Men, which thankfully um, it's here. Because it, after watching the movie, I, I still can't believe that. At reading this, um, people would actually reject it. I was like, really? Why would he reject this? It's crazy. Yeah. It's so weird, right? It's one of those yeah. things that is kind of shock. It's one of those like short-sighted things about this business sometimes that is really shocking. Is you're like, how do you not see... How do you not smell the Oscar bait on that one? You know, I mean, like, just as like an elevator pitch, you're like for one sentence, right? Yeah. No one's mm-hmm. had a baby for 18 years, and Clive Owen stumbles upon a pregnant lady. <laughs> yeah, check. Yeah, check. no problem. Done. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that's what it took is for him to reinvigorate. Do you need all Harry my Potter money or just some? Yeah. <laughs> like, honestly, it's just like this is something I did too before the show started. I did my how the hell did this movie not win the best picture that year? Oh. I'm not gonna say names, but Sands of Iwo Jima, come on, come on. <laughs> but yeah, this was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Editing, and Sound Design, I think, which all are well Yeah, It's still shocking to me. For sure. It's, <laughs> But that's why. See, it, it, it's that's lasted why. longer than most of those. Uh, Rosa, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Would thank you, you like to tell everyone again where they can find all your work? Oh, no, thank you so much for inviting me. This was a treat. <laughs> as depressing the topic matter, it might have been. Um, you know what? It was a treat to to talk about it with you guys. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah. No, thank you for it's, the invite. We had good company. That made it okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, you can you can find my work. Uh, you can find me at any social media platform at Russell's Reviews. And, yeah, you can find our Latinx Lens podcast on every um podcast platform and we're also available on every social media platform at latinx lens and again thank you guys this was a treat yeah thank thank you you. so much uh you guys should definitely check out uh rose's podcast i quite enjoy it it is i'll put all her information in the uh the show notes and details so make sure you do that guys uh we'll see you this week we're going to court this month all court movies so stay with us uh thank you guys for your time go watch children of men and cry Cry a good cry. Cry a lot. Have a good cry. (laughs)